0: On this episode of The Evangelist Podcast, we're looking at some of the big questions of life. And this week, we're going to look at what about science? The Evangelist Podcast from Revival. Find out what's new in telling people the good news about God, the world and you. With Andy Brinkley and Glenn Scrivener. Welcome back to The Evangelist Podcast. I hope you like listening each week. If so, why not leave us a review on iTunes? We've set up a simple forwarding link for you to go straight to the podcast on iTunes. Just go to revivalmedia.org iTunes and you can leave us a rating and a review. We'd be very happy if you could do that for us. So today, Glenn, we're going to be looking at what about science? Yay! <laughs> and, uh, I came from a, a science degree at university and, uh, you know, often would get challenged over um, issues of science. Science has disproved the Bible, hasn't it, Glenn?
1: All right. <laughs> Certainly some of the great scientists of the past not only did would they have disagreed with that, they would have seen uh the Bible to have given them a framework in which to do science mm. and I and I, I would say science assumes a whole view of the world, a whole view of our minds, a whole view of um, the discoverability of laws, the rational, uh, the ability to analyze those laws and apply them consistently over time and across the cosmos, and the ability of the human mind to uh, refine theories and all those sorts of things. All of that depends on a very... uh, well, a view of human nature and a view of the cosmos that sounds very biblical to me, mm-hmm. actually. So, interestingly, uh, there was um, Brian Cox. Yeah. He's sort of the, the, the darling of uh, sort of BBC science documentaries at yeah. the moment. And uh, I remember he did uh, a fascinating uh, documentary on the Large Hadron Collider. This was a couple of years ago. And he, he, he basically said, look, um, physics is stuck. We don't know how to go forwards. We don't know how to find verification for some of our theories, but we need this verification in, in, in order to, to keep going. So we've built the Large Hadron Collider, and uh, in doing so, we want to smash together particles at hugely high velocities. And then he said this phrase, in order to stare at the face of the cosmos. Which is an interesting way of putting it. He, he wants to find a face at the bottom of all things. Mm. He wants to find personality at the bottom of all things. And I guess what a, what a Christian says with the Bible in hand is, go for your life and smash particles together as much as you like, and you'll find out a heck of a lot about particles. But you won't discover a face by smashing together particles. Mm. Um, you'll discover about more particles. Mm. And hallelujah, praise God, you're discovering more about, you know, the physical universe. Yeah. But if you really want to understand about the face of the cosmos, well, you, you're going to have to study a person who's entered into the cosmos yes. and said, Here I am. That's what the Bible's about.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the Bible was written 2,000 plus years ago, mm. and it wasn't meant to be written in the science language of our day today. Sure. Um, some of its poetry and some of its history, and, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, so when we look at it, through scientific glasses, we often come up, pick it up the wrong end of the stick because of how we look at it in authority over it,
1: yeah, as it were. I mean, you know, so how, how is God going to author a book that is going to be relevant to, uh, you know, a 5th century BC shepherd mm. as well as a 21st century astrophysicist <laughs> as well as, you know, if, if Jesus tarries a 25th century brain surgeon. Like... Mm. To expect to expect the Bible to uh, speak in the language of a 21st century scientist is obviously ridiculous, mm. but perhaps even more ridiculous than that, to imagine that the 21st century scientist is the pinnacle of all things mm. <laughs> by which all else must be judged, that's the real hubris, that's yes. the really proud position. Um, because I, I imagine in 200 years' time, the things that we think of as absolutely common-sense scientific fact right now yeah. will seem as ridiculous and deluded as phrenology seems to us now when we look back at Victorian times, yeah. you know. Yeah.
0: There's a quote, and I can't remember who, who said it, but um, they said, Thus we climb up to the top of Hill of Discovery, and we reach the very pinnacle and we find that there are theologians sitting there <laughs> for centuries you know
1: <laughs> well yeah i mean some things come full circle like that yeah i mean i mean the big bang is sort of a an obvious example of that mm. you know only within the last 100 years have scientists said we think that there was a beginning of time and space mm. uh, and of course people kind of resisted that at the time because mm. it sounded incredibly religious it sounded like genesis yeah. for goodness sake yeah.
0: and again with the with the big bang uh, John Gribbin, in his book The Matter Myth, he says many people misunderstand the Big Bang. Uh, it wasn't an explosion in space, it was the explosive appearance of space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. Of what was creation? <laughs> <Oof>. Yeah. <laughs> Except the explosive appearance of space. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that sounds very much like let, there'd be light to me. Yeah which is not to say i mean again there's lots of people questioning the big bang theory and and in 50 years time it, that might be completely out the window might be completely and and therefore i think we should you know we should sit loose to these scientific theories either way you know whether we think they prove the bible or disprove the bible you know, if, if we're wedded to the science, you know, what's 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 the saying? If uh, the, the church that's wedded to the theories of, of this generation will be widowed in the next generation. Right? Mm. And I think that that goes uh, just as much for science as for any other kind of worldview.
0: Yeah. OK, so if someone came to you and, and sort of said, oh, well, I, you know, I don't believe any of that. I'm a scientist or mm. I think that all the spirituality is just mumbo jumbo. Yep. Um, what
1: would your response be? Mm-hmm. To that, I would kind of encourage them to be a good scientist. I think the way you do good science is determined by what you're studying. So if you want to study microbiology, get yourself a microscope. If you want to do astronomy, get yourself a telescope. If you want to study God, then... Get yourself a Bible. <laughs> get yourself a Bible, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, especially if you want to study... Um, the Word of God. See, you know, so biology is the logos, the logi, the, the the logos of bios. You know, yeah. the Word of Life. Theology is, you know, the Word of God. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely, get it, get a Bible and and have a look at the historic figure of Jesus of Nazareth, because you know he claims to be God walking the earth, mm-hmm. and uh, John in his first epistle makes these incredible claims for. Um, who Jesus is and and how we should uh, take these claims 1 John 1 says uh, that which was from the beginning which we have heard says John which we have seen with our eyes which we have looked at and our hands have touched This we proclaim concerning the word of life, which is word of life biology, (laughs) word of life. The life appeared, says John, we have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life. That is Jesus, the son of God, who was with the father and has appeared to us. So John says that God has appeared on planet Earth. The yeah. word of life has appeared on planet Earth and he proclaims him to us. And therefore, the way to study this truth is is historically, really. Uh, to be a good historian, to have a look at this eyewitness testimony that John says he's He's offering and to weigh it up in, in those sorts of terms. Um, and at that stage, the scientist sort of says, oh, but that's history, that's not science. And I think at that stage, you you sort of say, well there are loads of things that i know that i believe in that i trust and have good reasons for trusting in that i cannot put into a test tube mm. i know that my wife loves me i can't put that into a test tube and, and you know but i know uh, i know my, my wife is faithful to me yeah but that doesn't mean i i scientifically you know get a private investigator and follow her everywhere because that actually might the <laughs> opposite uh, yeah that might actually intrude into the trust relationship and yeah. and there's all sorts of relationships like that there's all sorts of things that we know we don't know them scientifically yeah. Even maths, we don't know maths scientifically, and yet you can't do science without maths, even mm. logic you can't test logic scientifically and yet le- and yet you can't do science without it mm. so any fool who says that you have to test all things by science sort of cuts their own you know cuts the branch on which they're sitting yeah. on you know because yeah. there are all sorts of things that you're already assuming by doing science that science cannot itself prove yeah.
0: so what if uh, you know uh, perhaps a new Christian comes and says oh I'm, I'm a bit wary because i don't know what to say how to answer these scientific questions mm. um i guess it's taking taking your own personal experience and sharing
1: yeah from that point of view yeah and and you know and and praising god for science and and being very pro science as far as it goes with with you know your friend who's asking those questions i I rejoice in discovering more and more mm. about the world in which we live, the world that I believe was made by Jesus and loved by jesus and so of course, I love this world, and mm. of course, I love studying it. of course, I love being very inquisitive about it, of course, I love following in the footsteps of the wisdom of Solomon, who was this incredible botanist and biologist and philosopher and you know a, a scientist of his day, and you know he he could you know tell you all about the uh, all about the plant life, all about the animal life in in Israel, and you know, a zoologist as well, you know. Um, so I'm I'm all for studying this world, but if if as Brian Cox says, the way you discover the face of the cosmos is by smashing particles together. At that point, I go, no, 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 don't be silly. <laughs> you know, if you want a face, then look to the Word of Life who appeared. You know, yeah. study Him. The one behind it. And then, you, then you'll get a face. And when you get a face, when you, when you study, when you understand the one behind it all, then you have every reason in the world to go back into the world and, and, to, and to join the Large Hadron Collider and all the scientists mm. there and to, and to explore Jesus' world. And then you've got really good reasons for doing it. Mm. I, think, I think atheism itself undercuts the practice of science in a major way because i think you need all sorts of beliefs about the comprehensibility of the universe about the about the fact that our minds don't just process things according to our survival value but process things according to truth and according to reality you have to have that belief about our minds that that our minds deal in truth that the universe deals in reliable laws that sort of correspond to one another. You have to have these very developed beliefs that atheism itself won't give you, but a belief in Jesus, who is the Word of Life, who comes into the world, and who wants to be known by us. As soon as you believe in Him, then you believe in a comprehensible universe. You believe in truth. You believe in an ordered world, and suddenly you have you have the tools in which science makes sense. And you go, hooray, let's all go off to the Large Hadron Collider and smash particles together. But let's not think that smashing particles together is going to answer the deepest issues of life. Mm.
0: Glenn, I've heard you do the, uh, the cake analogy
1: before. Can you... I, I forget sure. who I ripped it off, and I'm sure they ripped it off somebody else as well. But um, a very helpful, very simple sort of a, a analogy about sort of the limits of science um, is, um, you know, imagine, imagine I'm holding a cake before you, and it 's a beautiful cake, and it 's you know lovely made and succulent and all those things and uh, but imagine i I take it into um, laboratories, and on the first floor. I take it to the nutritionist. And the nutritionist is able to sort of reverse-engineer the recipe and come up with every single ingredient and exactly how I cooked it. And then I take it to the, the, the biologist. And the biologist is able to tell me, you know, how many calories are in it and all that sort of thing. And I'll stick my fingers in my ears. Who cares? I'll still eat the cake. But uh, And then I'll give it to the chemist. And the chemist will talk about the chemical compounds in the in the thing. And I'll take it to the physicist. And the physicist can talk about the, I don't know, the mass or... who knows, Who knows what the physicist might be able to tell me about about the cake. And at the end of, the, at the end of that day of, of, of you know, analysis on the cake, I will learn things that I didn't know, things that will be very helpful for me in order to you know, make better cakes in the future. All of that. Fantastic. Praise God for all of that. But none of them can tell me why the cake was baked you know and and if i told you that the cake was baked for my wife's birthday you go oh okay fantastic right <laughs> and we're talking about a different order of truth a different a different order of meaning mm. at that point why is the cake baked mm. for whom and science is very good at the what and the how mm. very good at the what and the how and praise god for that but to imagine that all the questions in the world boil down to the what and the how is to live in a very narrow world that no scientist even lives in mm. Scientists act as though the what and the how are only part of life, and and the who and the for whom and the why. Um, those those questions are questions that we live for and and that we cannot do without. But science can't provide us with those answers. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, yeah, it's very important to know uh, to to praise God for science and to be glad for science, but also to see the limits of science. Um, mm-hmm. It can't answer the deepest questions that we have mm.
0: well we'll uh, leave it there for next week glenn thanks very much again thanks for listening to the evangelist podcast the web address for this episode where you can comment on this specific show along with a relevant talk that uh, glenn did regarding uh, the issue of science just go simply to revivalmedia.org